Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And uh, today is Tuesday. It's August 8th, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. We are in Chapter 6, Into Action, and we're going to begin our reading today on page 80. We're going to be reading four paragraphs, beginning with page um, <clears throat> uh, the last paragraph on page 80, continuing until page, page 82, the first paragraph ending with rather than risk a face-to-face combat. So today for our 12 steps, we're going to have Melissa K., 12 Traditions, Meg F., and our readers of the text today will be Polly Q., John K., and Sherry K.B. Now, yesterday's uh, share ID, which is a five-digit number, that's for Monday, August the 7th, the 10 a.m. meeting, Eastern Time, is 10246. That's 10,246. And today's Tuesday, August 8th, The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 10248. That's 10,248. All right, the OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization. Ideology, private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no positions on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Melissa Kay to please read OA's 12 steps. Good morning, Janice. May I be heard? You can. Good morning. This is Melissa C.K. That's okay. Grateful Recovering, Compulsive Overeater in Tennessee. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 
6, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. And thank you so much, Melissa C.K. I will now ask Meg F. to please read OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning, Janice, and thank you for your service. This is Meg F. in Northern California recovered. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group ought to be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. And thank you so much, Meg F. This is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery, described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. What we do is we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that our sharing be directly linked to what was read. 
we are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, press star 1 to unmute. Now once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Well, today we're going to resume our study in the big book on page 80, beginning with the chances are. And I'm going to ask Polly Q to please begin reading. Um, hi, can, may I be heard? Yes. Hi, this is Polly Q from Northern California, and um, I've been recovered for eight months. Uh, the chances are that we have domestic troubles. Perhaps we are mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. We doubt if in this respect alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people. But drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful, and uncommunicative. How could she be anything else? The husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. He commences to look around in the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Perhaps he is having a secret and exciting affair with a girl who understands. In fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he is married to a loyal and courageous girl who has literally gone through hell for him. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Not always, we think. If she knows in a general way that we have been wild, should we tell her in detail? Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She will want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. We are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Though there may be justifiable exceptions, and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we have often found this the best course to take. Our design for living is not a one-way street. It is as good for the wife as for the husband. If we can forget, so can she. It is better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. It may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we are dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk a face-to-face combat. Well, God chose this reading for me today. Uh, <laughs> no question about it. Um, I was not the wife nor the cheating husband, I was the cheating other woman. Why did I do it? My partner of 13 years had just died, by the way, of alcoholism, and I felt undesirable in that relationship. I was lonely and full of self-pity because I had a distorted body image, low self-esteem, and I lived in a fantasy world when it came to sex romance. I believe, um, uh, I believe this is common, since I existed more in the fantasy rather than the real world, 
it was easy to lie to myself that this was true love. And though I felt guilt and remorse, I was desperate to feel loved and desirable. These feelings will always excuse my wrongs. Without a spiritual solution and living in steps 10, 11, and 12, I will always seek out a solution elsewhere, regardless of who gets hurt. In the end, this husband revealed himself to be a sex addict, and I was just one of many. He ended the affair abruptly, and I was left with the reality that this relationship was no relationship at all. Like my ego, it was full of hot air and self-deception. But there is a warning here, and that's what I really want to talk about. If I can't love and accept who I am exactly as I am, especially my body, my ego will rule, and I will seek solutions that are destructive to myself and others. Um, my amends, of course, it was to stop... Um, my men's actually the best one, the most the most dramatic, and the one that was relieved of me immediately after I did the fourth step was to uh, to stop. And this happened years ago, and I did the fourth step according to the big book to stop these habitual sexual and romantic fantasies, to end all contact with this man, and of course to refrain from ever engaging in an affair again. But, you know, I have to understand that I must have a spiritual solution and live in steps 10, 11, and 12 to be able to accept and love myself and love my reality more than a fantasy. Um, and I can't stress this enough. You know, I, I, I have been shown over and over again um, through the fourth step and through living in steps 10, 11, and 12 that I, you know, for the compulsive overeater in me, my body image is awful and even after being in years of recovery um and and dealing with a lot of other issues through various four steps my body image i just didn't deal with it and so i stopped having a relationship for 25 years because i just i i just chose not to deal with it i have to face these issues head on and i'm so grateful for steps 10 11 and 12 today because i realized that um uh, that I I can feel love and acceptance for myself, all of myself. And that is what will prevent me from hurting other people and from hurting myself. And with that, I'll pass. Very good. Thank you so much, Polly Q. Okay, we're open for comments on page 80, starting with the chances are. That's that last paragraph going over to page 82. The first paragraph ending with. Of course, um, ending with uh, God on the on uh, rather than risk a face-to-face combat. And who would like to be first? Who would like to be next? Don't all go at once now. Jennifer P. Okay, we'll have Jennifer P. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, Jennifer, let's have you comment, and perhaps you'll invite somebody else. Okay. Go ahead, Jennifer. Hi, this is Jennifer P. in New Jersey. Um, Thank you, Janice, and everyone for doing service um, for the chance to share. Um, I just, you know, I can't relate this directly exactly how it talks about in the big book in terms of having an affair, but when I think about how to apply this 
to my amends you know, that, that I need to make just in terms of waiting and being patient and not trying to get my way, you know, not at, at the expense of someone else. Like when my husband says, you know, he doesn't want to talk and I want to talk, I want an answer because I want it now. I have to learn and keep practicing the pause, the waiting and accepting that. Um, and, you know, I know that's a little different, but that's how I apply this reading and, and you know, just like I don't have to get my relief at the expense of someone else, um, whatever it is. Um, you know, I see how I do that with my kids too, like wanting them wanting to say or do something now because it's going to make me feel better thinking that it'll make them feel better, but it really doesn't make them feel better. It just, and it doesn't even make me feel better in the long run. I just think it does in the moment um, because I'm still trying to get in my way and the ego is still trying to get in there. Um, and, you know, I realize the ego is like smoke and mirrors. It's, it's telling me things that aren't true and illusions and delusions and I have to keep working every day to then pause and and not do that. Um, and if I don't get, you know, the thing I wanted addressed or answered when I want it, then, you know, that's HP's will and direction for me, and I have to keep practicing acceptance of that. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Jennifer P. Whom else would like to comment on these paragraphs? Kathy K. Oh, good morning to you, Kathy K. Anybody else? Kathleen good. O. Kathleen O. Reggie O. And Reggie O. Terry H. I'm sorry, I didn't get that one. Terry H. Terry, I can pass. I hear some water going. I don't know if we're in the ocean. Terry or Kerry? Well, we'll see after Reggio. Is it? I'll just put Terry. Uh, let's see. I got some help here. Terry, Terry, Terry. Okay. Anybody else? One more? All right. That's a great group. Let's start with Kathy Kay. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. Um, can you hear me okay? Because I am outside. Is that okay? Oh, you're in the ocean? You know, I can hear you good. <laughs> okay, thanks. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Boston, and I really identify with what's already been said. When I did my sex inventory, I really saw how selfish I had been in my relationship with my husband. Um, but I also realized since that was a number of years ago that that selfishness and self-pity, I also identified that because I didn't get what I want when I wanted it, um, those character defects die hard. Um, and I've had to use steps, steps six and seven often for a number of years to practice patience and gratitude and acceptance. And when I do that, it's amazing how my perceptions of our relationship shift. So 
you know, for me, this is very much an ongoing process of um, inventorying and trying to change with God's help the defects that really undermine my connection with my husband. And um, I'm just so grateful that we have the steps because that's what's enabling me to see progress and to accept the limitations and um, to stay out of self-pity and selfishness to the best of my ability. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Kathy Kay. Okay, Kathleen O, it's Good morning. Thank you, Janice. This is Kathleen O, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in California. And sorry, that is my dog in the background. Um, this last sentence, it's better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. And Um, I was looking that up, and jealousy is an emotion. The term generally refers refers to thoughts and feelings of insecurity, fear, concern, and envy. Um, And to be romantically jealous is to recognize that your partner might feel attraction to someone else, that he or she might act on that feeling, and that you might be powerless to stop it. Um, And, you know, we are only as sick as our secrets, and... um, you know, I, unfortunately, um, you know, of all the things that I would like to have a redo in life are the extramarital affairs that I had. And, um, you know, I had them because, you know, I was very insecure and, um, you know, it was all about me. And, you know, when I had them with other men, it was because their wives didn't understand them and I did. And, exactly what it talks about in the book. I was that person. And um, and I was also cheated on. So, you know, I've had the whole, gone through the whole gamut of it. And, um, you know, today it's like being in recovery is such a gift because I know that's something I will never, ever do again. And, um, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, this is about, um, and, and, you know, and I had to make amends. I had to make amends to, um, the partners of the men that I had these affairs with because they knew about me. And, um, and so I had to make amends to them. And, and it was actually, I was amazed at how gracious they were and forgiving they were. Um, I didn't know if I could ever do it and I did it. And, um, and it was really amazing. So, you know, and I say all this because if anyone has been in this place and they just, they're, they're struggling with that part of it, Um, you know, the amends part, really miracles do happen about when we clean up our side of the street. And, um, and it pretty much ensures that we're just not going to do it again. And, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now, but I didn't. And so needed to forgive myself too. Um, But thank you. And with that, I pass. I'm sorry, I was unmuting. Did you pass Kathleen O? Hello. Can you hear me? Anyone? Yes. Okay. Yep. Now I'm here. Yes, Janice. Janice, oh. I did pass. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Good. All right. Reggio, it's your turn there. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Janice. Thanks, everybody. This is Reggio, very gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And, you know, it was um, 
I I remember so 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 many years ago the first time that I realized that um, I used sex to prevent intimacy because I was afraid of intimacy. And then that just, I left that, you know, I left that alone for a period of years. It just kind of went into the background, but I was very aware of it in that one moment. And then, um, and then uh, at one point doing the steps, I think it was the time before I did the steps in uh, vision that I realized that my, one of my really big fears was a fear of intimacy. And so I started working on that and, uh, and when I got to vision, you know, it was certainly there again. It was still still present. The fear of intimacy had not dissolved. And um, But over the course, you know, where that brought me, along with so many character defects that went into, you know, that went into in- intimacy, uh, a fear of intimacy, you know, and jealousy was one of them. Jealousy was, was, you know, was my partner looking for, you know, looking at someone else or et cetera. I don't know that I've ever been cheated on. But I have, um, but I certainly have gone outside the bounds of uh, my, you know, uh, relationship. I think I, you know, twice it it happened, you know, sexually. But you know, but more than that, it happened emotionally, you know. And it was the, and I was once in a relationship with someone who was married for like, you know, three and a half years, and there was so much about that relationship that was better than, you know, I laugh about it because I can see that, you know, that it, it was no, it was by no means the right thing at, at that time. I felt like it was, you know, that it was right. I didn't have any qualms about it. I think, you know, that their relationship, that was a part of what it, you know, that was a part of what, what it was. And, um, but I, uh, you know, when I look, I'm so grateful to be in the place that I am today because I, you know, when I look back at that, I've made amends in all my past relationships. Um, I feel really good about that. Um, I didn't make any direct amends in, in, in this way, you know, because it would have been, because it would have been hurtful to, uh, you know, to more than one person. But um, I guess just knowing that, you know, just making the amends and having the clarity, you know, having the clarity of the work that we do through these steps and that I've done through four in continually looking at my defects. You know, I'm I'm single right now and I you know I I would really love to be in a relationship but it, where I can really open up and take the you know, take the have the courage and confidence through that I think this program will give me has given me to be in a relationship and to allow myself to be intimate. Uh, and the one thing I was going to say was there was, you know, being emotionally or otherwise involved with someone inappropriately. It was like there was a buffer, you know, it wasn't the person that I went home, you know, it wasn't the person that I went home to, you know, it was the person that was out there and there was some kind of emotional buffer that made somehow made it safe for me. It's no longer safe. It's no longer appropriate. And, uh, and I'm just, you know, grateful to be, have the clarity and opportunity to see that and have forgiven all around, myself included, and to, uh, you know, see there's, an, there's, a, there's a different way and, you know, and, and we certainly have the opportunity to clear the path to see that way, you know, in, in the work that we do here. So thank you. I'll pass. And thank you, Reggie O. Okay, Terry, it's your turn. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Very grateful today. Um, The chances are that we have domestic troubles. Just that first sentence in the reading today um, sums it up. 
for me, um, in my disease, I isolated. Um, I did not, I had a very difficult time being around people, being in uh, communities, and I, I isolated most of my life. Um, I, when I turned 17 and moved out of my, my father's home, I haven't lived anywhere in my life for more than two years. And I just moved because I had that fear of intimacy, of relationship. And my fear was being seen. I didn't want to be seen. And so the few relationships that I had um, in, while I was in my disease, it, it just was chaos. I did not know how to be. I did not know how to deal with life. And so I turned to foods and the food behaviors to give me help. And when that was killing me, most definitely killing me, um, I could, you know, I made a choice to come into this program and to seek a sponsor and to work the steps and just that willingness um, to be able to do that. When um, I isolated for 15 months, on a mountain, away from my, I left my family with my, I had my dog and myself and I isolated and I was in my disease. I was abstinent, but I was so in my disease. And then when I had the willingness to come off and re-engage in life and, and try to be, you know, re-enter a relationship and get a second chance with my partner, you know, I was working the steps. And when I had to make that amends with my partner, you know, I had the willingness just to just be open, be vulnerable, and a willingness to change. I wanted to change because what I was doing in the past wasn't working, and I was miserable, and I just wanted to die. And, and you know, when I was making those amends with my partner and that willingness to change, I made a commitment to try it differently, to be open to push through those fears and to be seen. And, you know, without my higher power, I would not have ever been able to do that and not without working the steps. And today, you know, I seek out relationships with people mm. and I want to participate in life. And I have a second opportunity to be with my family. And I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for the steps and the amends process. It wasn't easy. I had to take it, you know, I had to listen and not react. And I understood where that was coming from, thanks to my higher power. And, you know, I'm so grateful for today for my recovery and what it's given me. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Terry H. Okay. Whom else would like to share on these paragraphs? Beginning on page 80, the last paragraph, going over to page 82, ending with rather than face-to-face combat. This is Helena. May I share? You sure may. Helena, what's your first initial to your last name again? R. R is in reboot. Okay, Helena. R. Whom else? Uh, Joni B. Joni B. Cherry KB. Cherry KB. Got it. Anyone else? Ginger C. Ginger. Ginger C. Anybody else? Let's go with those four. Helena R., it's your turn. Hi, this is Helena in uh, at the moment in southern Pennsylvania. 
um, I don't have my big book right here. It's in my car and I'm in my camper and loving this meeting. Um, what I'm reminded of when we, um, when we read the section is the section where we do the sex inventory, the sex and harms inventory. And the last time I went through it with a recovered sponsor, she had me doing my ideal sex um, relationship you know, that I needed to pray about that. And I've done that also with people that I sponsor. And at times, what I was instructed to do was to write down how I would behave in, if I were behaving in the ideal way with the partner that I have now, or if I don't have a partner, you know, how would I, would I be? And that the tendency for me and for some of the people I've sponsored have been to write down who would be an ideal partner for me instead of looking at myself and that, you know, it makes me laugh sometimes, but also just to see how I am so focused on blaming others. I wouldn't be doing this if my partner were this and this, you know, and that goes even in a, a day-to-day relationship, if I'm angry or irritated. And then the thought is, well, I wouldn't be angry and irritated if he hadn't done this. Um, you know, it's so easy. Not just, I think it extends to everything. When we do our, you know, in that section where it talks about sex and harms done um, in step uh, eight and nine, it talks about we, we treat sex the way we would any other problem. And then it tells us how to treat any other problem. It says in prayer and meditation, we ask for the right action, for the right thoughts. And that is really the way it works. You know, this jealousy can arise. I'm having an issue with it right now among siblings in my family. And it says it's that most terrible of emotions. So this this section really, like the rest of the big book, can be applied to any relationship for me. If I'm jealous, you know, I may be accusing one of my siblings of being jealous of me, but am I also jealous of her? Am I looking at myself or am I looking at people outside of me? Pass. And thank you, <clears throat> Helena R. Okay, Joni B., it's your turn. Hi, I'm Joni B., and I'm a compulsive reader, and I'm from uh, Southern California. Um, you know, this section, um, like our first uh, person he shared, you know, I have been the other woman. Um, and, you know, before coming into program, um, I have a little over a year and a half abstinent now. And um, when I first came into program and, and had some um, physical recovery, um, that's when I got into this relationship. And I found that you know, when I put down the food, um, I more and more wanted to act out in this way as a means to just feel better. <laughs> um, I just wanted something to feel better, and I didn't have the food anymore. And so, um, you know, I acted out in this way and caused a lot of problems for myself and, you know, eventually lost my job because of this relationship. Um, it was a coworker. And... Um, and so, you know, through recovery and working the steps, um, I've been able to have that recovery inside that I don't need, you know, this this outside validation um, to uh, make myself feel better. Um, you know, it's something that before coming into program, when I 
you know, was well over 300 pounds, um, I acted out in this way as well because it's, well, if, if this man will be with me, then I must be okay. And, um, and it was such um, deception. Um, you know, I was deceiving myself to think that that, that misuse of, of sex was, you know, in some way validating me. Um, and I'm so grateful <laughs> to be in recovery and to be able to see the truth about that and about myself and, and to be in a place now where I'm, I'm better able to receive that validation from a higher power and not from lower companions. Um, and for that, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. Um, thank you and pass. And thank you, Joni B. <clears throat> okay, Sherry KB, it's your turn. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California. Great for recovery compulsive eye reader. Uh, thank you for your service, Janice, um, and everybody on the line. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm listening to everybody, and I've been thinking about this, and I just know for myself that the whole point of, of working these steps and being in this book is to identify in. And when I when I find myself going, I can't identify with this. I don't. I don't. I can't relate to this. And you know, if I if I set aside that idea, um, so that my higher power can get in there and and open my mind to things, I can identify in um, absolutely. And um, so what what comes to mind to me is, um, you know, there's just some things I highlighted. Um, you know, whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. We are, we are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, we shall not repeat it. Uh, more than we cannot do, than we cannot do, we have no right to go further. Um, that kind of stuff. Our design for living is, is, an, is not a one-way street, and this other utmost frank, frankness is demanded, and uh, good sense and loving kindness is to be let bygones be bygones, each pray about it, having the other one's utmost happiness in mind so what that all comes up to me is is that what I've really opened up to that I've realized about myself is there's a lot of thinking going on between my ears and I might not take action um, and behavior certain things but there sure is a lot of acting out going on in my mind and that's what I could really relate to is that there was a lot of times I wanted to act out um, um, in my marriage and I didn't but I had thoughts about it um, I flirted. Um, I did things to get my way. I manipulated. Um, and, you know, that's not exactly a spiritual way to live. Um, and so I look back on some of my relationships even before I was married, and, and that, that went on a lot. And then also I forgot about um, I've been married three times, um, and I, I forgot I you know, somehow forgot about this one thing that happened in my second marriage that I just, you know, easily forgot about till I started reading this again this morning. And um, there was some acting out there. Um, you know, I always justified, and that's where my disease is, justify, explain, defend. Um, and that's where I really had to start looking at that and looking at my behaviors, whether I acted out or not or whether it was in my thinking and how I fantasized about things. And... Um, Without a spiritual solution, I can't, um, I can't do this. Um, without God's help and without um, hearing things from other people that, that trigger that. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Hmm. And thank you, Cherry KB. 
Ginger C, it's your turn. <clears throat> Ginger C? Hi, Janice. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes. Ginger C? Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Oh, great. Thank you, Janice, and thank you for your service. This is Ginger C. Recovered in Colorado. And welcome to everyone this morning on the line. And this is definitely the stuff that we don't want to talk about, but I got to talk about it because it's real. And it's the only thing that's going to help me to do differently. You know, we're trying to practice these principles in all our affairs today and show up with these new, this new way of thinking and acting and um, these right ideals. Because, you know, when I was using, I had wrong ideals. And really, it was just selfishness. You know, I also had a situation with a gentleman, and it was an emotional affair. And I just wanted love and security and attention. And um, absolutely selfish. Selfish not only to my loved ones, but his family and and so many people that were affected. Um, but I love the clear-cut directions because I did not follow them. You know, my guilty conscience was just eating at me night and day. So what did I do? But I went and told my husband exactly what was going on. I told him who the person was. And boy, that was scary. My husband chose to go and call him and go meet him out in public. So we don't know what can happen, and jealousy is that great emotion. So again, Thank goodness for these clear-cut directions, and thank goodness I followed them correctly when I went and found a sponsor and did the amends properly. You know, on page 82, it says that we can do these amends on the flank. That's not a direct amend. And really with relationships, it's not fair to me to call these old boyfriends and make amends to them. They may not be over me. And by calling them up, then that whole pain and that hurt gets reignited. So thank goodness, again, that we have guides to help us go through this the right way because what I did to my husband was wrong. It was just to relieve me of these feelings that I was not dealing with, my guilt. And then I put it on to him, and then, and then he in turn put it on to the other person. So um, I'm just so thankful that we get to just follow this clearly and I just cannot say enough for this immense process you know this inner reworking that happens in me through this grace of God um, you know I've shared often about the mom and the situation I had with her and the great pain and I am so amazed what could happen if we just do this work honestly openly and willingly because right before I came into work this morning I had a phone call with her and she's just been in the hospital with cancer. She had throat cancer, and her uncle died from the same cancer. And had I not made that amends, she never would have reached out to me. And had I not had God in my spirit, I couldn't show her the love that I show her now. And she needs someone because she has four, five daughters, and I'm the only one that's made amends. And we have a connection, and she feels that, and she trusts that. And it's just amazing. I never, ever spoke hardly with this woman. I hated her so much. Because how does mom leave a child? And now to see her at 80, and to see that I can pick up that phone with love and tolerance, 
unbelievable stuff that happens if we follow these clear-cut directions. So I'm just blown away by this work. Yet once again, you know, it, you will be amazed before you're halfway through. And if you're new and you're having a hard time, just put that food down and watch these. Watch God come in and come through you and work wonders. Unbelievable miracles. Things that you never thought could happen in your life will happen. But it all begins when you get honest and you put that food down. It's, it's the starting point for all of us. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Ginger C. Okay, we have time for a couple of more, I believe. So who would like to... Uh... This is Laura. Oh, John Laura. Kay. Oh, Laura. I, I heard... Go ahead. Go ahead, Laura. Is it Laura? Laura? Yeah, Laura G. Laura G. And I heard a gentleman. John Kay. John Kay. Okay. I don't know if I'm a gentleman. <laughs> well, I don't either, but <laughs> we'll, uh, I'm sure you are. Laura G., please, it's your turn. Well, there's the sign of gentlemen. <laughs> um, good morning, everybody. I'm just overwhelmed with uh, Laura, Laura G here, grateful, um, grateful, uh, impulsive overeater. Um, you know, I, I just am overwhelmed with um, the connection to my fellows and um, the reading um, all this week has been uh, taking me to places that I, I'm just in shock of and uh, in awe. Those the spiritual experience, the spiritual awakening, it just keeps uh, making more sense every day. And um, I'm not going to be able to be in New Jersey, but my spirit is going to be there. And I, I am so grateful to be a part of such an amazing, strong fellowship. And um, yeah, that's all I got. I passed. Hi, uh, did you, okay, Laura, uh, I'm, okay, Laura G, John K, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, you, you win this thing on mute, it takes a second. Um, I'm still, um, John, uh, Kiernan, recovered compulsive eater in Los Angeles. I, uh, whenever I read these sections, I always think of how when we, uh, we're reading the stuff that references the spiritual experience, we jump over to the spiritual experience. I always wonder if we should jump over to, uh, Lois Remembers from Al-Anon book to <laughs> hear some of the other side. Um, I gotta say, when I read this section, it, it really hits me on how in 1937 there weren't any females in the program, just First of all, the gender in which the, the book is written, but I really can also see that, gee, I really wish there had been some females to give some input into this section because I can, I can hear such a male thing about this. It, you know, when I read something like, if we could forget, so can she, part of me is like, wait a minute, that's not my choice to make for her. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know that perhaps this was before Al-Anon and it was attempted to get the spouse to read the book and maybe to help her find some recovery too. Um, the other thing I, when I read, we are dealing with the most terrible of emotions, jealousy. You know, I always think to myself, well, you know, when I think about adultery, I don't think of jealousy. I, I think of betrayal. Uh, you know, and it, you know, I think it's more of that kind of a thing. It isn't because, gee, I, you know, I, I didn't have that experience, but if I had it, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't put it that way. Um, you know, in my life, I didn't have uh, these kind of amends, but no, not because I was tremendously virtuous in my first marriage, but uh, I had been a fat 
guy my whole life, that kid, and uh, even in my first 10 years or so of recovery, I was still a fat person in my head. And so as a result, I wouldn't even thought to attempt this, although, you know, I certainly did in my mind. And thank God we don't have to write those things down. Um, but as was said you know, by Holly in the beginning, I think if, if, if I had been given the chance, you know, uh, something you know, somebody who would have validated I was attractive uh, or, you know, lovable, I, I think I probably would have uh, because there was that need. Um, you know, when I, a lot of times I lead retreats on Saturday nights, we'll talk about body image and sexuality. And I always say I don't have the answers, but I do talk about my personal thoughts and fears and things. And and I, I think it doesn't matter what gender we all we are, you know, we all want to sort of feel attractive and loved and validated. Sometimes that involves in a situation like that, especially if over many years of marriage, you know, they begin to take the their mates for for granted or, you know, don't feel attractive or anything. And somebody comes along and offers that, it's, it's uh, you know, it's uh, hard to, you know, walk away from sometimes. Uh, but luckily, you know, I mean, over the years, I've been in a very happy marriage. Now, um, working the steps makes me realize that, uh, you know, this is all an inside job. You know, I, I could have been James Bond and conquered a thousand women in a row, but that thousand and first one who said no would have devastated me because I was putting all of my self-feelings about attractiveness on the validation of it on exterior things. And, and it's not. It's an interior thing. Uh, and with that, I pass. Well, thank you so much, John Kay. I wish that timer didn't go off because, you know, I think I have a minute. If anybody just wants to take it, one or two minutes, because I'd like to close up for Melanie. All right, let's let's close for now, but we, we're we going to close. Um, but just please, we, we're not ending. Uh, we still have um, sponsors available, et cetera, with Melanie C. So thank you to everyone who has shared. Um, Mel Melissa C.K., Meg F., Polly Q., John K., Sherry K.B. And now I would like to close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. John K., will you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I certainly will. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.